He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad! Oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the 73rd hole. Colby Powell, Taylor Williams with you. The final official PGA Tour event of the season concluded yesterday in Mayacoba down at Riviera Maya, Cancun on the east coast of Mexico. And Victor Hovland gets it done on number 18. Two career wins, Taylor, for Victor Hovland. Both of them, he was tied standing over a birdie putt on 18 green. Both times, he poured it in the heart. Really impressive stuff from Victor to step up and birdie 18. I think the biggest thing I take away, the Puerto Rico curse has been broken? It's been broken! Is is it no longer a thing? That's a good question. Did... Now, did Hovland just escape from it himself, or does this open the door to Tony Finau eventually, maybe at some point in his career, winning again? Well, think about this. You know, you, you grew up a big baseball fan, Colby. Remember when the Red Sox got over their big hump against the Yankees? Yep. They end up winning a few World Series, and all of a sudden, a decade later, the Cubs end up breaking their their uh, streak. So maybe this is maybe it's a 2020 thing, or maybe it's a uh, 21st century thing where curses are just meant to be broken. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's great. I didn't even think about the Puerto Rico curse being broken. How was that not my first thought? Because I always talk about the Puerto Rico curse. I mean, you got, you got, got, I'm, uh, Hovland's uh, beat it before Fina did, and along with some other guys. I mean, it, yeah. it, it is, um, it really was something in the golf world that had been plaguing a lot of golfers, but Hovland proved on 18 that he was able to get it done. And I was watching it when it happened, and it seemed like he took a little bit longer over it than, than he normally did. He kind of picked his blade up um, and wiped off the grass right before he hit it. Is something you oh, don't. I noticed that too. I was like, "Oh, he's a little antsy." I, I honestly didn't have a good feeling standing over it. I, I, I told my, I was um, told my dad when I was watching yesterday. I said, "There's no way he makes this putt," and I, he made it dead center. I mean, perfect dead weight. Oh, there's never a doubt. And you know, normally when you have a distraction like that, it's when you you step back and you regain, get into your routine again, and then reset. But I guess he was just feeling confident. In whatever he did worked because he he cashed it. And also credit to him, he had a lot of um, really good. I mean, he's a very good driver, but he had a lot of really good um, driving. Uh, drives down the down the end of the stretch especially it was playing really wet that did play lift clean in place so everything everyone that every drive anyone hit was just sticking and plugging so he didn't have much roll out but yet he was able to hit um really good drives coming down the stretch and i think what really saved him was that up and down he had on 16 out of the bunker it was what a, probably a 30 35 yard bunker shot uh, probably carrying yeah. over about 20 yards of yeah bunker. that was the big thing is he had so much bunker to carry and he didn't have just a ton of green to work with now the greens were soft and slow so yeah. obviously that Look, helps. And, and since it had rained at the first the sand was a little firmer. Yes. You can nip it, and yes. you know they, he probably that might have got him a little bit because he came up six, seven feet short or whatever. And yeah. he, if it would have released a little bit more, he would have had a tap in. So I think he, you know, he hit a great shot. It just checked up on him a little bit more than he thought. But very clutch to make the putt after that. I mean, seriously. And then the uh, whatever he had pitching wedge into. They, they said he had pitching wedge in eighteen. It must have been one of those strong pitching wedges because he had one hundred and fifty yards uphill. Yeah, it was and, and adrenaline too. Yeah, they said it, they said a big pitching wedge is what they said on the broadcast and it was a big pitching wedge and and what was key is i don't know if you noticed the difference in the angle that he putted from and the angle that aaron wise putted from aaron wise had a similar length putt but he was about 10 feet deeper 
in the green. And I actually think that it made the read trickier for Aaron Wise because it got him a little more kind of on the fall line right there where he didn't know whether it was going to go left or right. And he misread it by a good four or five inches. Whereas Hovland, because he was able to get the ball just a couple feet shy of pin high, he had a very predictable read. Now, still a tough putt. I mean, it was about a cup outside the right and broke in the middle. But it was a more predictable read, I think, than what Aaron Wise had. So being able to get that ball on the green just short of pin high, I think, was a big advantage. Oh, absolutely. And they always say pin high is always pin high is always closer is what they say. But if you hit a pin high, you're always going to have a, a better look. That's just kind of the unwritten rule, I guess, and, and distance control. But nevertheless, you know him able to put himself in that position because he's a right-handed player too. And not every right-handed player is the same way, but majority of them like right to left putts more than left to right. It's kind of just how it goes. And so I think that suited up for him more. And also too, I think it helped him too because the putt was you know the greens were slower. They had mentioned, but. It, the putt was a little downhill for him. So he didn't necessarily, I'm, I'm sure like a lot of guys throughout the week, felt like they were having to hit putts harder, jab them, give and them a little bit more. You never want to feel like you have to hit a putt. Not, and especially not, stroke it. And not especially not one that matters. Yes, exactly. You, you know, something like that. You don't want, because the last thing you want to do whenever you have a putt like that, feel like you have to hit it hard, you, you would normally have two thoughts come in your head. One is, if I hit it hard like I want to, it's going to go three feet by, and all of a sudden i got to make this for a playoff. Or two, I'm going to do the counter opposite of what my mind's telling me, which my mind shouldn't be telling me in these things anyway, but I'm going to decel and leave it a foot short and not even give myself a chance to make it. So, Which is what we watch Ricky do over and over again on Thursday and Friday, oh, but we'll, we'll get to him later. Oh, yeah, we, we got a lot to talk about, Ricky. Oh, don't, 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 don't wait. And I'm, we got a lot of Ricky Fowler fans out there that are listening, so we know they'll be and I'm interested to see our state. It's and, getting rough. And I, and I would love to hear from, from the Ricky fans, kind of like your OSU football team, Colby, kind of come in the realization of it's time to step it up and make a change and, you know, what is going on? And, I mean, <laughs> the, the quote you said earlier, Colby, about Ricky, I want to get more into it. Let's We'll get back more in the Hovland thing, but he said the only time you see Ricky on a Sunday afternoon is when he's when they go to commercial break. Yeah, that was one of the best lines I've ever <laughs> you, heard. You know what? Let's just go down the Ricky rabbit hole a little bit because what got me into it? Uh, Carson Cunningham and I earlier were recording our pistols firing podcast, talking about Oklahoma State football, everything. And we talked about golf at the end, and he sent me this article that Eamon Lynch wrote for uh, Eamon Lynch, Eamon Lynch, however you pronounce it, wrote for Golf Week, uh, and this came out yesterday. And I mean, there was some good. Good stuff here. And uh, what what do we have here? There was one line. Um, let me see. Oh, yeah. He says, with the enigma that is Ricky Fowler, the most illuminating figure is this. 11 years into his career, he has more commercial sponsors than PGA Tour victories, and it's not even close. And then he even goes on and he lists them all down here. He's like, you know, all the responsibilities that he has for Cobra, Puma, Farmers, Grant Thornton, Mercedes, Two Under, TaylorMade, Corona, Rocket Mortgage, Hyperice. I mean, the dude is a walking billboard, but even Ricky has talked about how that cuts into his preparation, all the responsibilities that he has. And, and Taylor, we were talking about it before we came on the air. He's now fallen to number 52 in the world. He is sandwiched in between Kevin Streelman, who's at 51, and Eric Van Royen, who is at 53. And I think at some point, Taylor, Ricky Fowler is going to have to do some self-evaluation and decide whether he wants to, you know, dial back the sponsorships and become a golfer or just ride this wave of sponsors as long as he can because – I tell you what, Mercedes and Rocket Mortgage and all, and all these other sponsors, he hasn't had a top 10 since January. He's not a lock to play in the Masters. At this point, it almost maybe be a little surprising if he worked his way into the Masters. Sponsors don't really want guys that aren't playing in the big events. 
No, I, 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 you make a really good point there about the sponsors maybe backing out, and I think this is a, a situation where Ricky has to has to really look himself in the face and see what he wants to do. Um, something that I thought was interesting was earlier I was texting with my uh, group text with my uh, old college teammates and. Um, got into a rabbit hole of who would you rather have DJ or Kepka's career. So I went down career money earnings. So I have the career earnings pulled up in front of me. And I found it really shocking that, and think, consider this, Colby, this is just PGA Tour winnings. All these endorsements you talk about, he's not getting, he's not doing those for free. He's getting paid for those. So Getting paid th- handsomely. Very handsomely. Did you know Ricky Fowler is 23rd overall in PGA Tour career earnings? I mean, that doesn't shock me. He came, he came onto the tour at the right time. Purses were ballooning. And he does have some wins. You know, he won the players. That's $2 million right there. He's got finished top five in all four majors one year. So, that doesn't doesn't shock me. He's had some high finishes over $39 the last million is how, long, how much he's made. Just yeah. on the tour. Just on the tour. So, yeah. just for comparison's Wait, sake. So, so, that's only PGA Tour? Does that not include, like, his Scottish Open win where he pockets a million? I don't think it, nope, I don't think it does. Okay. Nope. This this will include majors, World Golf Championships, right. anything that is PGA Tour sanctioned. Right, but Any, not an actual Euro Tour event, yeah, exactly. which, like, yeah. a Scottish yeah. Open. Yeah, so, yeah. and just for comparison's sake, Justin Thomas is one spot ahead of him at 39400000 essentially. So, okay. I mean, so they're right around the same ballpark. Ricky's played, came out a little bit earlier than him, so has a few more years under his belt. Well, Ricky's it, got a more impressive record resume you know with that win at the players yeah exactly yeah that that, that trumps the pga championship that he and had. the uh, other 12 victories jt has jt at 13 for his career uh i keep losing track because they just they you seem to win and you know every three months it seems like here's the one that shocked me we'll get back to ricky but just one last thing about career earnings you know zach johnson is 13th on career earnings 46 million dollars what a baller what an absolute baller I mean, it has been, I've heard people talk about, you know, is Zach Johnson a Hall of Famer? He's got the, the weird Augusta win 2007, 2015 British Open where he made the putt and did the little birdie dance as Caddy did. 13th, 46, over $46 million career earnings. I mean, people make fun of me as a short hitter, but shout out Zach Johnson for that. I mean, that's just incredible. But let's get back to this Ricky thing, Colby. I mean, you're making over 30, you make over $39 million just playing your sport, not in, like you said, not including the European tour wins. How much money are you making off of these endorsements? You know, he's married now. You know, what is the, what does he want to do with the family? How how does he want to go down this down this road? And and so I don't I don't think money unless he's just been completely stupid, which anyone can be, but I don't I don't assume that he I has. I don't think he has. No, he, I think he's been responsible with his money. And he, he's got a lot of money. So so. If the endorsements do fall, maybe that is the incentive to, oh, hey, maybe I need to get my ass back in gear and, you know, start playing a little bit better. And, you know, I'm not not sure exactly what it is. Maybe it's just he's had so much pressure on him from the outside or on the inside. Maybe it's himself putting pressure on him. Maybe it's family members. Maybe it's him just listening to all of, the, all of his fans who want him to do well. Yeah, and there he, has been a lot of outside pressure in his career. He, he was billed as a superstar very young. He didn't put that on himself, but he did have a lot of good results. And I mean, he has a, a plethora of talent that we've seen. It just seems like from all accounts, I mean, this, this Eamon Lynch story, Eamon Lynch story here, splitting with Claude and Butch, going to work with Tillery and all this stuff. Doesn't have a top 10 since January. It, it feels to me like Ricky got complacent with his golf game and I mean, it's totally not even plateaued. He's fallen off a cliff. In 2019, he was 13th on the tour in putting. In 2020, he was 178. Oh, boy. Uh, he got how, 165 how, spots in putting in a season. 
You you do not see that. You no. don't see that in any metric, really, no. hardly ever. I mean, let alone. I mean, in putting, seriously, for for him to fall that far was is pretty astounding. But you know, when, whenever you go back to Ricky, we twenty fourteen, he had all the uh, top five majors, and it was either twenty seventeen or twenty eighteen. I can't remember. He led the tour in strokes gained overall. I mean, so I mean, we're we're only a few years away from him being technically the best. He had the best season on tour when you include the scoring average. Taylor, he was top ten in the world last summer. He was a top. He was top ten in the official world golf ranking summer of nineteen. So, so that goes to show you that his all the wins that he had for me the the year of the two years before that come off, and this last year that he had has been so horrible. If if you haven't have a top ten in twelve eleven calendar months, yeah, it was American, I mean, the American Express out in the desert is last his last top ten. And, and you can pull up a strength field right there in front of you. It's not going to be a very big one. No. So I mean, he's not getting pre COVID too. So it's not like all the big names were showing up to these bum tournaments. But I shouldn't say bum tournaments. I don't mean to insult PGA Tour events, but you know what I mean. It, it's not like... Well, we're talking... You have to understand the the level of hierarchy here. We're talking about Ricky. This is a guy who, like I just mentioned, top five in all four majors. People are thinking he's going to be a multiple-time major champion. And, and but, then he followed those top fives up with the players' win. The players came the very next year, and so it was like this... This collision of, okay, here it comes. Here it comes for Ricky, and then nothing. Flatline. Vanishes. Well, like I said, I mean, he's he, he's keep he's made a shit ton of money just playing golf, not even on the endorsements. Um, I, I, like I said, it was either 2017 or 2018 when he led the tour, strokes gained overall. And so it's it's just so interesting that to have that amount of decline in such a short time because, like I said, Colby, top 10 in the summer of 2019, we go a year later and taking consideration, I mean, we had three months with no golf. So that's so technically, it's the summer of 19 we're in descent and we're we're essentially that's a year of golf where he's fallen from top 10 to what what's his exact ranking now uh, he's 52nd in the world 52 see I get, he's 48th going in and and if he's not obviously top 50 that's your master's invites top 50 yeah and, and i get him confused because i looked at the reason we brought up money we, t- we were talking about spieth earlier and spieth is number 78 in the world now i looked that up earlier this morning so Unbelievable. I, that's, that's the reason i have to ask what, what he is because i get ricky and him mixed up because yeah. unfortunately the, with the way their game's going they're both floating into a very bad similar category yeah here's another great line in this story from Eamon lynch and i highly recommend it. it's on golf week just uh google Google, Google, um, Ricky Fowler cautionary tale. That's that's the uh, the headline here. Ricky Fowler is a cautionary tale in overexposing a superstar. And how about this nugget? He says there was a period of time when Fowler's ample screen time on Sunday afternoons was earned through his fine play. Now that time is paid for by a seemingly endless parade of partners confident that Fowler can help them sell everything from insurance and automobiles to mortgages and underwear. Ah, man, it's. I mean, that's this that, is that's a, a harsh line there. I mean, it, that's it, it, it is. It, 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 as true as it is. It hits the nail on the head, though. It damn sure does. I didn't see him this weekend. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I will say this. I mean, if if his life priorities have changed over the last five years, because, I mean, we are talking 2015 when he won the players, and we are essentially five and a half years ahead. I mean, we're, we all, we can all be a different person. We all change. So if his life values have changed and he doesn't want to be, you know, the multiple time major champion, he's, he's happy with his money and his wife wants to start a family. I mean, I can't blame the guy one bit. Um, and I'll give Ricky credit. He's come out and said that he's sort of underachieved on some level whenever he gets asked that. It's not like he was like Patrick Reed at the, um, when they played down at Doral and came out and said he's a top five player in the world. Ricky's not out here, you know, talking shit saying, Oh, I'm, really good while I'm missing cuts you know so I so I give him that credit but at the same time it's 
And it's it's the thing too. It's not Ricky that is really the Ricky problem. I know that sounds weird, but it's the fans of Ricky and the people that promote Ricky to say that he's a good player, not admitting where his game has fallen to this point is 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 it's what gets to me at least. Yeah, his resume doesn't stack up with some of with most of his peers uh, that everybody thought he was supposed to be lockstep with for most of his career. And one thing uh, I talked about this with Carson earlier because it's OSU related. I felt like this week in Mayakoba was somewhat of an unofficial passing of the torch in terms of rooting interest for Oklahoma State golf fans because Ricky Fowler misses the cut. He just so happens to miss the cut the same week. By the way, he missed the cut at Mayakoba, which had a strength field in like the 260s, I think yeah. they said. But, uh, I mean, this ain't... You know, but Kepka, this ain't the players. This is not the players. Kepka missed cut as well. I mean, you know, everyone has. Kepka shouldn't even yeah. tee it up if it's not a major WGC. Right. And you know, we had some guys that we liked who missed the cut. Everyone has their bad weeks, but like, whenever you don't have a top ten in eleven months, this is a trend. This right. isn't just a one-off week, right? But so anyway, so what I was going back to with the the OSU connection, you're talking about Ricky's fans and stuff. My mom's one of these Oklahoma State fans. Loves everything Oklahoma State. Has lived and died by Ricky Fowler for the last decade. And I think that this week was a a real wake-up call for Oklahoma State golf fans. You know, Ricky misses the cut. A guy who's still in school at Oklahoma State in Austin Eckroat shoots a Sunday 65 to finish T12. And Victor Hovland, who's been on the the tour for, you know, he's been out there long enough for a cup of coffee, year or two, second year on the PGA Tour, gets now his second career PGA Tour win by birding the last hole the same week that Ricky misses the cut. So all that to say, and then what Wolf accomplished this fall, obviously – I feel like we're transitioning now, and, and you know, this is an Oklahoma podcast. This is Oklahoma people who are listening. I feel like Oklahoma State golf fans, myself included, are transitioning from being Ricky fans to just rooting for these young guys. And basically, I mean, to me now as a golf fan, Ricky is kind of an afterthought until he proves otherwise. It, you know, if he bounces back, I would love nothing more than to root for Ricky and see him winning tournaments again. But until I see that, I mean, I'm out here and I'm I'm riding for for Wolf and for Hovland and eventually, uh, not too far down the road for Ekro. I, I'm I definitely want to get into Ekro and also Quade Cummings made the cut as well. So I mean, great week for the for the amateurs and and extremely sad that these these um, young adults aren't able to make a check for their performances. It's really just a, a disgrace to golf and really their civil rights. But I'll get into into that another story. But you know, when you, whenever you talk about whenever you talk about Ricky and just you know, where he's gone and exactly what what path he's gone down. I think, and going back to the OSU, you know, everyone OSU loving him. You know, he came out, he, he had the orange flashy gear where he, he wore all orange on Sunday. So obviously all OSU fans are, are drawn to that. That is just the, the number one pinnacle. He beat Rory in the playoff at the Quill Hollow, which kind of sparked it all because Rory at that time was a premier. was, was on our, top of the world. He had, submit, he had submitted himself up there. I bel- what Do you know what year it was? Was it 2011 he won? Uh, 12, I think. Tw- okay, so Rory had already won the U.S. Open in 2011 that year, so or the year before. So Rory had already gotten that major. And... Yeah, I mean, obviously, you remember, Colby, back in high school, you, me, and um, a couple of our other high school teammates would, would talk, who's going to have a better career, Rory or Ricky? And, I mean, I think we'll admit I said Rory, and everyone else said Ricky, did they not? Including uh, yourself? Yeah, this was back in, what, 2010, probably? 2009, 2010, yeah, around right then. before Rory erupted and won four majors. Um, yeah, it says here, Fowler's first win, a dramatic playoff at the Wells Fargo Championship in 2012. Yeah, so yeah. it was. And and Rory had also, that he had shot 62, I believe, in 2010 at Quill Hollow to get that big win. So that was, a, for Ricky, that was big because he kind of felt like he dethroned a king, in a sense, because Rory had played so well at Quill Hollow 
before and in the past. Right. And then he beat him there. So, so, so then it felt like Ricky was on that level. Yes. Yeah. If that was kind of where, okay, I'm, th- I'm here to stay. Then we have, I mean, I mean, every times we got to say it all the top five majors. And then, then we have the win at the players, that which was in every, 2015, 2015, you know, you know how many tour wins he has since he won the players. I'm going to say two. He's got two. And are they both at, are they both in Phoenix? Uh, I believe they are. Yeah. I believe they are. I can pull it up. It just says here two wins. But yeah, let me pull it up. I believe they're both the waste management. Yeah, and 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 l- l- let me say this: if you win two PGA Tour events, I mean that that's a hell of a crown. It doesn't really matter where it's at. But it, that does show to- uh, Honda. Oh, that's right. He did Honda. win. He did yeah, win twenty seventeen, right. and then Phoenix in twenty nineteen. Yeah, that's right because he's only won Phoenix once, and he's, he's had been, he's had a chance to win it like five times. He's been close in Phoenix a lot. It, that that's a place that he really loves. So yeah, I forgot that he won at Honda. So that that'll take away from my it, my point a little two, bit. Two Euro Tour wins since the players win as well. Won the Scottish Open about two months later uh, in twenty fifteen, and then the following January he won in Abu Dhabi. Yeah, and those are and don't get the Paul Zing, Paul Azinger effect. Looked up at strength of field. Those are big. Those are big wins. Those are big events on the Euro Tour. I, I, I would I would venture to bet that both of those had a higher strength of field than I, I, I bet they had higher strength of field than both of those PGA Tour events in my opinion. Maybe not the waste management but I bet it did the Honda for sure. Uh, which is kind the of Honda fun. probably yeah the waste management I bet not. I, I, if if, if I had my laptop I'd look it up I'd lost my charger nevertheless. Um, <laughs> you know, you and, lost your charger? Yeah, you just I, got I, a new laptop. Well I left it at somewhere I didn't lose it. It's, okay, just, it, it's left. Ne- nevertheless the point about Ricky and transitioning these, uh, uh, transitioning the fanhood, I, I think you're exactly right. And you got, whenever you have a program like OSU and even OU, you saw this week with um, um, Answer and Quade Cummings made the cut, and then um, uh, Garrett Rebans actually ranked higher in the PJ Tour, um, PJ Tour U than Quade Cummings even is. So we got a lot of great golf here. So there's going to be so much future rooting interest that there's going to be a lot of options to choose from. I mean, we've, I mean, even if you're OSU fan, who are you rooting for more, Hovland or Wolf? I mean, in your opinion, who would you who would you root for more? I mean, that's that's tough for me. I probably go uh I don't know Hovland just because he's so just kind of happy-go-lucky and bubbly and he you know is always grinning in his interviews and stuff and you know after he won in Puerto Rico he talked about how his chipping sucked and he had to overcome that but I mean that's so t- I love rooting for Wolf do you, too. So. Do you think as an OSU fan that because I'm an OU fan so it would be out my realm of, of judgment but I feel like more OSU fans would root for Wolf than they would Hovland. Just Probably to, because he's flashier. It's the you got the corkier swing he, he kind of has that Ricky effect where where, I mean, when Ricky came out, and his swing's gotten more to this, which we talked about in our player, uh, player profile we had on him back during quarantine, that his swing just doesn't look the same as it did back in when he no. when he was playing good. He he when he first came out on tour, he was really flat, round off, really quick. Got to Butch, seemed to fix that. He had such a smoother tempo, a lot more on plane, had a lot better balance. All of a sudden, these last five years, that swing has just gone back to what it was. And for whatever reason, I don't know why that is. It's it's worse on his back. Again, I'm, unless there's something I don't know, it should be worse on his body, the way he's swinging. And it's obviously worse on his scorecard. And um, so, I mean, I, I'm, we've gone, we've talked about Ricky a lot here, but I, I think just if you're looking for someone to root for, especially from a local level, you have a lot of options to choose from going forward, especially. And, I mean, we have to point out, and I was texting you on um, Friday or Saturday whenever he was going low, Eckhart's going to be on the turf for a long time. Eckhart's going to be a stud. He, I mean, he 
he got himself up near the top of the leaderboard Saturday. He was solo fourth or T fourth at one point. Uh, whenever he made like four birdies in his first six holes on Saturday, maybe it was five out of seven. I think he birdied to start his third round, uh, and then ended up kind of faltering before he had a really nice Sunday and yep. ended up T twelve. That's, that's awesome. And you know, my um, I've I've never played with with Austin personally, but I'd heard so many things about him because I have so many friends that know him and know how great he is. But the the first time I knew Ekro would be a really good player was, I believe this was probably maybe six years ago now. So this is a long time. Ekro was a, a young kid. He was almost barely in high school. He played in the state am and he played a match against one of my college teammates named Sam Johnson. And Sam is probably one of, if not the best ball striker I've ever met. I've played with Sam. He hits it pure. And Sam was on the, one of the best stretches of golf he had ever played and that I had known him. And Ekro beat him in that match when he was in high school. Wow. And, I mean... I mean it, if that was six years ago, then that would have been when Ekro was 15, it, 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 He was maybe. around that age, yeah. And, yeah. and Sam's played with a lot of great players. He said that Ekro had the best short game of anyone he had ever played with. And and so I, that's when I knew that this is a kid who... Because at that age, Colby, I mean, if you can, if you can beat someone who's older than you and is, you know, as you said, you played with Sam, you can just hear off the club head how someone hits it. And you're like, okay, this is, you know, this is, this can be a little intimidating if you're going against someone. It sounded a little different. You you know, and so you you get up there and it's a lot different than if someone just clanks it off the tee box. So for that, for him to have the, I think you see the minerals inside, you know, his guts, because he's able to go out, beat someone older, uh, experienced player and in a match go, I mean, obviously match plays a very fickle game, but it's just, it kind of shows you. And then going out and playing how, how great he is in these college events and go out and finish top 15 in a PJ Tour event. And correct me if I'm wrong, Colby, this is his first PJ Tour start. First one. First one, yeah. First one. And um, he's to, his first one's top 12. I mean, I think that goes to show that... And Spieth had this effect a little bit when he first came out where it just seemed like no matter what tournament he he went in, he just rode off the adrenaline. Like when, when Spieth was 16 and he finished top 15 at the Byron Nelson yep. or whatever, you know, and so... Eckert may I hope he doesn't have the same effect of where he just comes up he's number one in the world and then somehow <laughs> that gets lost so let's not throw him in that category but I think him and and also um, Quade Cummings the other o, OU player that made the cut this weekend those guys are going to be on the tour for a long time and like I said I've never played with um, never played with Austin I've I, I believe I played with Quade a long time ago and he's a he's a big boy and he can hit it a long way so he's, I, he's I a great player I love Quade's game I hate his putter I, I, the, <laughs> it's, for those it, of you who don't know, he's got like the the square white. I think it's PXG with like center shafted on the back side of the putter head, similar to what Charles Schwartz. That's what I was about to say. It's, it's, it's a Charles Schwartz putter, yeah. is what it is. And you know, in all honesty, I don't care if you use fucking broomstick. If the ball goes in the hole, it goes in the hole. Oh yeah, and, no, and I don't so, care what you use. It's visually. So, so, so what it, you're saying is, if you're in the same group with with old Quaid, you would be looking the other way absolutely. when he put. Absolutely. What if he? What if he was making everything he looked at? Then I mean, somebody would have to tell me what to write down on the car because I wasn't watching. Is it? Is it kind of like um, the Basilisk and Harry in the Chamber of Secrets, Harry Potter, where like you like if you, you can't look directly at it, but you, but you can watch it through video and it'll just right. kind of freeze you. Yes. like you won't die from exactly. It. I, I, this is really horrible for he just no I think a, I, a college player who made a PJ tour a <laughs> PJ tour event and we're talking about because he uses a funky looking well, putter. The thing is, he's a good putter. He just for me visually looking at that specific putter, even whenever Charles was using it, whenever whenever they would throw Charles. On the TV, I would like cover my eyes, like ah, ah. We've got this giant 
head putter with back back center shafted. It's just it looks weird. It looks I can't I can't get used to it. So and, and, anyway, and, he made the cut too. It was a good week. I, it was and, and and before we go to before we go to our break, Kobe, I want to um I want to ask a question. And and it's fairly this is getting down into amateur athletics, USGA. I mean, this is this might even go beyond golf a little bit. Is it not a damn shame that Eckroat and Quaid cannot collect a check this week? It's really unfortunate. Eckroat missed out on about 180. Why does that have to be? Why Why is that? Why, why does this have to be a thing? For the facade of amateurism. I mean, that's the answer. It's for the facade of amateurism. It just, I mean, it, he played in a PGA Tour event. He teed it up with the absolute best players on planet Earth. The best golfers walking the planet. Eight billion people. These are the best. He finishes T12. Can't cash a check. Six figures. You're talking six figures. $180,000. And, and you know, this was something we talked about before, and, and I'm curious about this, was that, you know, the tournament was in Mexico, so I don't know what the taxes are on that compared to... Great if question. You, you know, so I don't know exactly what the difference would be comparatively if that would have been in, in the U.S., and that can vary per state, by the way, as well. So, I mean, that's something interesting that a lot of people don't think about. But, you know, the way I see it, Colby, is, is that... Is it not, in a sense... I mean, it's... It's a disgrace, I feel like, at this point in, in life. I mean, it may feel more direct because we're both huge college football fans and we think it's such a disgrace that these co- great college athletes can't get paid. But if you go out into an event and somewhere where you can make money and better yourself, why is it – I don't see why it defeats your amateur purpose to collect to collect a check. And, and I, I understand what you mean by this facade of amateurism and, and golf's an old sport. You had old Bobby Jones who stayed an amateur and you got people like Hagestad now who play in the mid-am every year. Oh, yeah. and, and, you know, and these these guys who I have I have friends who have played professionally and then they've got back their amateur status just so they can play in stuff like this. You know, well, you have to So f- what's crazy is Eckroat could go get a job as the door greeter at Best Buy and he could cash a paycheck and the NCAA wouldn't have a problem with it. But... The thing that he's best at in the world, that he is in the top tenth of a percent, hundredth, thousandth of a percent of everybody on the planet, he can't collect a check doing that because he's still in school. But he can go work some random job doing nothing, making nothing. But the thing he's best at, he can't... I. I don't know. Again, it's the facade of amateurism. You know, the, the best analogy I heard was that after after I got done playing college golf at Oklahoma Christian, I went and finished at um, uh, the college in Chickasha, which is actually a liberal arts school. And so, you know, you get to see a lot of art. You get to see a lot of really great art, Colby. I mean, you see pottery, paintings, all this stuff. Those art, they can sell their work and make, make money off of it. I mean, they're, they're not going to get fined and can't, they're not going to lose their scholarship because they sold their artwork for money. And they can go out within the town and d- do artwork, do murals and stuff. They're going to get paid for it. So why is it any different if it's an athlete? It makes no sense. I, I, I don't I don't know, Kobe. And, and you may know, you could get even more into it because you follow OSU football so much. And, and I follow college football too. But the NCAA with, on stuff like it's just a damn disgrace to me. And, yeah. and it's, it's a USGA thing as well too. I mean, Oh, no, it definitely is. And, and the NCAA is slowly coming around on like name, image, and likeness. You well, know, they had to when but, lawsuits yes. were filed against them. Yeah, they had to. Basically, the, uh, the courts are like, okay, these guys, we got to have some sort of compensation here for their own personal name. They can sell their name. That's that's theirs. Um, but yeah, as far as the stuff with with Eckroat and Cummins, and, and the thing is, that is not changing anytime soon. And that, I wouldn't be surprised if we're having the same conversation a decade from now. I wouldn't be surprised if it, cha- it never changes in our lifetime, in all honesty. Right. And it's right. Just, I mean, at what point is the NCAA going to accept a golfer playing on the PGA Tour 
in an off week from school, making 180 K and then coming back to school. I, I just can't, I just can't see the NCAA ever really being okay with that. So really probably the only way it happens is if the NCAA goes up in flames. Well, and also too, it has to go through two jurisdictions. We're having to go through the NCAA and USGA. Right. So, so not only are we right. having to worry about um, amateurs like, because not all amateurs are in school. So, I mean, you know, True. we're worrying True. about Eckroat and Cummings, you know, are there availability to go back to play for these great universities? Well, they wouldn't have been able to had they get money, but yet. They also wouldn't be able to play in the USAM. Exactly. And yeah. so. Or I mean, any you know, of these events. And these so what, events. you know, what it's, I don't know. It's, it, it really bothers me. It really does. If it, it doesn't matter what level you are, how old you are, whatever it may be, you do something that earn that earns you money. You, you, you should get to claim it. And it doesn't matter what you're doing, where you're at. It, it, I'm sorry. It, it just really drives me nuts. Yeah. I, I don't know how better way to phrase it. I agree. Complete and utter nonsense. We're going to take a break. We'll come back on the other side. A lot more to get to today. We'll talk a little more about what took place down in Mayaco. We'll also talk about the QBE shootout coming up this week, in which case we're going to see a little bit different version of Bedlam. Sometimes we're on the same side. That's coming up next and more. Stay with us here on the 73rd hole. When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McRae Roofing. McRae Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McRae and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs. McRae Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McRae Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McRae Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof, it is your home's crowning glory. Call McRae Roofing today at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at McRaeRoofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y Roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McRae Roofing for your free inspection today. Welcome back. Rolling along here on the 73rd hole. Find us online, the73rdhole.com, and check us out on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Search 73rd hole, and you will find us. Taylor, that, of course, was the last uh, official PGA Tour event of the season was the Mayakoba Golf Classic, and now we have a very long golf off season before we get to Hawaii at the beginning of January, so I don't know what we're going to do with ourselves for these three weeks. Oh, yeah, I do. It's the holiday season. We're going to be busy as hell, and then golf season's going to be back. And I kind of love it, to be honest. It's going to feel like that it's not even an offseason. Like I said, busy. Got football going on. You and me both have uh, fantasy football playoffs going on this week or, or last week. NBA this week. starts two weeks from tomorrow. Oh, wow. I, I, need, I, I totally <laughs> forgot about that, too. Wow. NBA season just ended. Starts two weeks from tomorrow. Man, it's we talked about it. I guess there's you know there's pros and cons to everything, and this is one of the, the few pros of this uh, this horrific 2020 year that we've had. But uh, I guess if we can have all of our sports jammed up into one, it's better than no sports. We learned that the hard way. Uh, oh yeah, that's this. This is like the golden era of sports that we're in now, with everything overlapping. And uh, you know, we do have some good golf to tide us over until we get more official PGA Tour events. I, we've talked a lot about the uh, the PNC Father Son Shootout. That, of course, is next weekend. So we'll talk more about that next week. But this week. We've got the QBE shootout down in Florida at uh, Tiburon Country Club, I believe is what it's called. And this is the team event where they play scramble on Friday, modified alternate shot on Saturday, uh, and then best ball on Sunday and everybody gets paired up. My tease there before the break was that every now and then we team up for a little bedlam action. How about the Vegas betting favorites this week, Taylor? Abraham Answer and Matthew Wolf. 
I kind of like it. I, I I can understand why they are the betting favorites, but it, it is very interesting to see red, uh, red and white, and blue and, and or I'm sorry, red and white and orange and black being on the same team. Normally they are we are fist fighting and throwing each other to the ground, but hopefully on Sunday for those boys or yeah Sunday because it starts Friday. I'm no, I knew it was three days. I want to make sure it was Thursday and it's Saturday. So yeah, it ends on Sunday. Hopefully they're giving high fives and collecting a check. Even though, but we, I'm telling you what, Kobe, that we were looking at it earlier. There's some fairly good and some interesting teams in there as well and also some names that you wouldn't expect yeah no doubt this uh you go and look at the field for the qbe so small event not a lot of teams in this thing 12 teams yeah 12 teams so let's just run it down right quick i'm just gonna go in order of vegas odds so top to bottom favored to least favored uh number one answer and wolf already mentioned that uh second favorite team tony finau and cameron champ whoo hitting bombs those Dang. two could go low in a scramble. Boy, there, there's no. I mean, it's you're gonna pipe it down there, and and that that's kind of interesting because you know you guys because for the format it's you know scramble modified alternate shot best ball. So on best ball you get you got a lot of guys birdie bogeys. Mm-hmm. So you might if as long as they can alternate their birdies you and their nickel bog- and dime it, baby. That, that's, if they birdie every all the same holes and they bogey all the same holes, they're not getting getting anywhere. Um, so so keep going going on with the list. Yeah, the uh, the opposite of nickel and diming that's called the Colby and Taylor. Where exactly. you, you birdie and bogey all the same holes. Correct, yes. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, third, Louis Ustaze and Bubba Watson. Very short, nice. Short and straight, long and crooked. Could be fun. Louis, Louis's not that short. Uh, no, Louis's not that short. He, he, he's short in comparison to Bubba. Yes, uh, that's very fair. Short yes. in comparison to Bubba. Uh, Leishman and Cameron Smith, a couple Aussies. A big good Cameron Smith, uh, for only player, Masters history, all four rounds in the 60s. Yeah. Leishman has over. been playing pretty, pretty shitty lately from what I remember, so I don't uh, know. What, he got... He he got a win back in. Did he win the Farmers this year? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. back and, in and what was play, January, uh, February, February, I think. Some either, either end of January, start of February. Nevertheless, yeah. I'll pull it. I'll pull up how he's been lately because it's been it's been pretty bad. Um, yeah, he but, won the Farmers and then uh, not so much, not so much since then. So a couple guys playing pretty good golf. Munoz missed the cut last week. But he was playing good up until then. Sebastian Munoz and Joaquin Neiman are at seven to one. South America. Yep. Harris English and Matt Kuchar are at eight and a half to one. Billy Horschel and Brendan Todd are at eight and a half to one. How about this pairing? A little young old action. Daniel Berger and Steve Stricker paired up this week. That, you talk about nickel and dime. That's what you want right there. You want you want and egg. Baby. You want a guy. He's going to get you in the fairway. Let Berger hit bombs out there. Um, and especially a scramble for Matt Stricker's going to hit you in there, Dicky with wedges all day. And so you're always going to have a spot in play. I, Stricker's like the ultimate scramble. Uh, this this type of format, he'd be one of the top players. I would. Yeah, I mean, and one. he's won this before. Steve Stricker has. Um, how about Griffin and Hughes, Mackenzie Hughes and Lanto Griffin. 12 to 1. A couple guys that fall under the, under the radar a lot, but have won in the past um, year and a half, I know of at least. So, I mean, the two guys who very good, just kind of not the flashier names that you see usually. Yeah, I mean, I'm just listing off guys, you know, Mackenzie Hughes, just guys who are ranked ahead of Ricky in the uh, Fish World Golf <laughs> Rankings. Mackenzie Hughes, 50, by the way. 50 on the number. Uh, where'd my QBE go? Here we go. Um, Ryan Palmer and Harold Varner, 14 to 1. Uh, that's a, a is an intriguing team. I um I definitely like a lot of the other teams that you mentioned above them. Ryan Palmer likes him some team golf though. He's, he does. He's he won well with, in New Orleans in the past. He won. He won with Spieth and with Rom. Yeah, but he's yep. also and who's his who's his partner again? Uh, Harold, his partner is Harold Varner. Harold Varner. Varner's very very good player, but but doesn't it, win. But the, and and whenever we say he won with Spieth, this was back pre Spieth come down. 
Yes, this is when Spieth was on top of the world, and kind of when Rom was near the top of the world yeah, uh, when he won with those guys. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Did did he he did he win with Spieth? I don't know. He may not have won with him. Maybe he didn't win. I with think Spieth. they were just top. They might have been yeah, second. Yeah, maybe it's just a big talking point because they got the same home course and everything. Yeah, but I know he won with Rom. Yes, no, he won uh, with Rom. Who is number two player in the world? Yeah, hundred percent. So, so that, I'm I'm just pointing out there there is differences right. in, in in between his part. Uh, two more teams, the defending champs, Rory Sabatini and Kevin Tway. Another uh, OSU guy right there. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, and then finally, at thirty-three to one, Kevin Na and Sean O'Hare. Yeah, that's that's not gonna. You're not gonna get very many people lay money on that. But at thirty-three to one, I mean, it may be worth something. This is I mean, it's a twelve-man field. It's whoever gets hot and makes putts for three days. And these are all professional golfers. Yeah, I mean, so it's and if, as we've seen in in our type of formats that we've played, just like this, Colby, not always the best player, or even the guys that play the best that week. Win, yeah. win the tournament. I mean, it's all about just how it adds up at the end on the scorecard, but a lot of times in formats like this, it doesn't tell the full story. No, it definitely doesn't, but it should be a lot of fun, and I, I think it'd be cool for Answer and Wolf to win it. That would be uh, around here. OU fans can get excited. OSU fans can get excited. That's a win-win. I, I got a I got a proposition for you, and and I I, I just came just just off the top of my head, just because I think this is cool. What you know how they have the um like the uh, they started doing like the Wednesday skins games that kind of thing for charity and mm-hmm. that kind of yeah. stuff, and they started televising it, and making yeah. it a big thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What would you think about if? I, and I'm trying to think of how you would view it because you don't want it to contrast with the viewing of the PGA Tour tournament, but almost every week have some sort of opposite field event that has like some sort of team format like this where either the guys who were the either the late alternates who didn't get in the tournament or the guys who are just underneath or maybe some of the uh, corn fairy guys get up there and play just because I, I think it's a cool format gets it, it gets people more intrigued in golf because you're seeing different styles. You know, a lot of people get bored with golf because you just hit it down there and you just try to get in the hole and it's all just the same repetitively. I, I've always been the biggest believer in we should have more match play tournaments than we do. And just because I want to see different styles. So, I mean, what would your thoughts be on that? Just trying to create some kind of maybe alternate field thing. It doesn't necessarily have to be every week. Yeah, but I, I don't think it could work every week just from the pure standpoint of even the lower guys, the core fairy guys and stuff, they have schedules and they need to play these tournaments. They need to get points so that they can advance themselves. So I don't know if it would be purely exhibition. Obviously, there would be some financial incentive, but in terms of pulling guys away from their traditional schedule uh, where they're trying to accrue points to further their career to, to do something like like this that's kind of fun i love the idea of having more of these um i I think that you would need to do it opposite of kind of some of the smaller like you could do one opposite the american express and i think that that would be a lot of fun and people would watch you wouldn't want to do one opposite of wgc's major championships uh the players stuff like that because you know we're going to get our golf fix that week we're we're getting it with that with those huge events but these other weeks, yeah, I think these are fun. Um, depending on, you know, if it's Lanto Griffin and Mackenzie Hughes doing out Ryan Palmer and Harold Varner on Sunday, I'm probably not flipping over to that. But if we've got Answer and Wolf taking on Champ and Finau down the stretch on Sunday, count me in for a little best ball. Let me see who can make some birdies. Yeah, it's just like, I just, I, I, I'm such love golf so much, and I just, I don't like the fact that every single tournament, it seems like a stroke play. And I just like the different variety in it. And, I'm, you know, we talk about the claim gets made up all in the past about um, like Sam Sneeds and Byron Nelson's wins. How a lot of them were team events. They don't, they shouldn't really count towards their records. Five of Sneeds were five, so he would have had seventy-seven had they not counted. But and um, I don't correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe I four, four or five of Sneeds were. I don't think that Tiger's world 
when he won the WGC World Cup with David Duvall as a team, I don't think that counted. Did not count Did an not official count. PGA Tour win. Though. Yeah, so, I mean, there's an example right there. So, if we're getting ahead of ourselves, Tiger technically has more wins than Sam But Smith. they now do count New Orleans as an official PGA Tour win. But like, the, like Cam Smith has an official PGA Tour win because he won in New Orleans. But they do not count it on the official World Golf Rankings. On the official World Golf Rankings, no. no By the way, we need to uh, give some credit because we talked a lot about um, – Ricky, in his official world golf rankings, Victor Hovland with the win this week, moved up to 15 in the world, one spot behind college teammate Matthew Wolf. So if you're wondering if those guys have done good for themselves since turning pro here in the not too uh, recent, not too distant past, 14th and 15th in the world rankings for Wolf and Hovland. And you, you got right, you got right there. You see Answer on there. He was up there. Pretty, uh, yeah, yeah, Answer is 23 now. Shout out LeBron. 23. So if you would have said, and I can't think of anyone else that I'm missing, if you would have said three out of the top 23 players in the world in 2020, if you would have said this back in like 2015, who would the top, who would three of the top 23 players in the world be with Oklahoma ties? Would you have said any of those three guys? I well, mean, no, you didn't know about not. two of them because yeah, they were in high too school. young. Definitely Ricky would have been on the answer list. Answer was just coming out. Yeah. I mean, you By know. The way, he was, answer one spot in the world rankings behind the guy who has arguably the most skill on tour. Matthew Fitzpatrick. That's Matthew Fitzpatrick, baby. Short and straight. Well, except when he hooks it. Yeah, and when yeah, when he doesn't putt. Can't make yeah, putt. So. Exactly. Yeah, I'm not getting down that rabbit hole, so I'm already too mad about Eckroat and Quaid not being able to make a check. I don't want to talk about <laughs> freaking Fitzpatrick. Uh, by the way, we do need to go ahead and give a, uh, a shout-out and a rest in peace to Peter Alice, one of the greats of the game, the voice of golf, played on eight European Ryder Cup teams, uh, passed away over the weekend at 89 years old. Um, the family released a statement, said that Peter's death was unexpected, but it was peaceful. They did not provide a cause of death. Um, so Peter Alice, no longer with us, but one of the greats of all time. So rest in peace to Peter Alice. Yeah, and I, I don't know about you, Colby, but whenever I would watch the um, stay up late and watch the European tour events, like when Tiger would play in Dubai and stuff oh, yeah. like that, and I don't know what it was, and even early, like early Sunday morning, if you had Rory or even just some of the other events coming down the stretch, I just love the the classiness and of and how of how the European tour was broadcasted. You know, it just it was that it was that nice blend between like the fifties. You know, where they don't get excited at all when you know Ben Hogan makes a fifty footer to win a tournament, right? And now when Gus it, Johnson, exactly, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you got Gus Johnson and you got um, obviously he doesn't do golf, but that's kind of my example. Exactly, people yeah. who get way overhyped, over the top. Every little thing. Yeah, or these people who repeat themselves, like whenever every time Bryson comes on and hit a tee shot, they have to talk about his protein, his workout. Oh, yeah. You know, stuff, you know, stuff that gets real repetitive. And so I always loved the broadcast that they that they did, and I wish PJ Tour event broadcasts were more like that. That is one of the um, – the PJ Tour does a lot more things right than European Tour, in my opinion. But watching your, a European Tour event in the coverage, I always, I always liked a little bit more than the majority of PJ Tour events for some reason, whatever it may be. And so – so rest in peace, Peter Alice. I know he's in a better place than we are right now. Yeah, no doubt. Peter Alice, one of the greats of all time. So rest in peace to him. Uh, Taylor, let's enjoy the QBE shootout this week. Next week, we'll get back, talk a little PNC father-son challenge as you, we get ready for the holidays. You going with uh, you going with the Bedlam team for your winner? Who you going um, with? Oh, you want to put me on the spot for a winner? I'm putting put, put, put you on the spot. We might as well. We don't have any DraftKings this week, so we got to give you out. You know what? I got your winner. I got your winner right here. Don't be taking who I want. Steve Stricker played oh, well last week. It. My Coba Burger and Stricker. That's who I was going to say. Oh, my Lord. Colby. You can, you have them. I'll pick a what different are their, team. What are their odds? They are 11 to 1. Okay. That's, that's, pretty, that's pretty solid. Have them 7th uh, best odds on the board? 8th best odds on the board. 
Wow, that wow. So what? So, so what are answering? What what are their odds? Answer Wolf for five to one. Okay, I mean, you so got, you got, got a fe- lot of lot yeah. of teams in there. You got to think because it's only a twelve. You know, you know. Yeah. Every, usually, PJ Tour is one hundred fifty guys in the field. That's why you get such great odds betting somebody to win. You got a one in twelve chance if you throw money on any of these guys. Yeah. Hell, you could bet uh, everybody except Answer and Wolf is at least six to one or worse. You could put a hundred bucks on half the field. And if any of those teams win, you're guaranteed to break even. And if it's one of the teams with longer odds, you make money. It's interesting philosophy. Yeah. Interesting proposition. Yeah. Definitely uh, who's going to win would be some of the teams that we don't pick. 100%. It would be a six-way playoff between the six teams we don't bet. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And all the other ones would be tied for DFL. Yeah. No doubt about it. All right. Everybody have a great week. Enjoy the golf. We are back next week. Thanks for listening to the 73rd Hole.